Hello, thank you for listening to Rapid ONG for Medical Students. My name is Professor Justin Clark, and I'm joined today by Dr Lynn Robinson to discuss the menopause. So Lynn, when we're talking about the menopause, what exactly do we mean? Well, the definition of menopause is the permanent cessation of menstruation. Natural menopause is said to occur when there is amenorrhea for 12 months after last menstrual period. You refer to natural menopause. Can the menopause be unnatural? Yes, some women will have an earlier induced menopause from surgical, radiological and medical interventions. I mean, for example, a surgical menopause occurs in women that undergo bilateral hysterectomy procedure, and that means removal of the ovaries, or uterine artery embolisation can induce menopause, as can some forms of chemotherapy. Okay, so what age does the menopause normally occur? The average age in the UK is 51 years, and we call it premature menopause if it occurs before the age of 40, and that occurs in around 1% of women. Uh, so menopause occurs because there is no longer oestrogen production from the, from the ovaries, right? Yes, that, that's correct. Women are born with thousands of primordial follicles in their ovaries, and these numbers decline throughout reproductive life. As the menopause has been approached, ovulation ceases, and then levels of oestrogen and progesterone decline. The main oestrogen that's produced after the ovaries cease working is called oestrone, and that's produced peripherally from androgens from the adrenal glands and also from fat cells. However, this type of oestrogen is less potent and it's produced in smaller quantities than the ovarian oestrogen, which is called oestradiol. This lack of oestrogen causes the symptoms of the menopause and the cessation of menses. So can we not simply measure oestrogen levels to diagnose the menopause? Well, the menopause is generally a simple clinical diagnosis and measuring FSH levels is usually not recommended unless the woman's had a hysterectomy with ovarian conservation or if she's had premature ovarian failure. In these cases, we can check follicle stimulating hormone or FSH for short and estrogen levels. An elevated FSH would suggest menopausal status and that's because during the perimenopause there's reduced levels of estrogen and then another hormone called inhibin is also produced by the remaining follicles. The lack of the negative feedback on the hypothalamic pituitary axis causes a rise in FSH and LH levels. We should be very cautious of the diagnosis of premature menopause based on one elevated FSH level as the levels can fluctuate widely. So I'd recommend for diagnosis levels should be taken at least three occasions at six week intervals. But don't many women complain of menopausal symptoms before their periods have actually stopped? Yes, that's true. Many women experience typical menopausal symptoms for several years before their periods actually stop. And this is referred to as the perimenopausal period. You mean symptoms like hot flushes? Yes, there's a wide range of symptoms experienced by perimenopause and menopausal women. The vasomotor symptoms are caused by reduction in oestrogen and they include the most commonly experienced ones such as hot flushes along with sweats. These tend to be worse at night and they can also cause significant insomnia. Some women will experience mood changes and irritability, skin changes, hair loss as well as weight gain or weight loss and loss of libido. The lack of libido is more marked in younger women that have had a surgically induced menopause. And the other common change is atrophy of the urogenital tract, again due to lack of oestrogen. This tends to result in vaginal dryness and dyspareunia, as well as urinary symptoms such as frequency, urgency and prolapse. It also causes osteoporosis, which is thinning of the bones. Yep, following menopause, the bone mineral density starts to decline and it can lead to osteoporosis and an increased risk of fractures. The most common one being Colley's fracture and fractures of the femoral neck and vertebral wedge fractures. There's also an increased risk of cardiovascular disease following the menopause, thought to be attributable to oestrogen deficiency. And is this why we give hormone replacement therapy to women who've had an early menopause? Yes, if women undergo premature menopause or have had a bilateral hysterectomy before the age of 50, 
We tend to give hormone replacement therapy, or HRT for short, until the age of 51, which is the average age for natural menopause. This protects against osteoporosis in young women, and it's required to protect against cardiovascular disease. What are the other advantages of HRT? HRT may reduce the risk of colorectal cancer and the onset of newly diagnosed diabetes. Also, in women who commence the HRT around the time of the natural menopause, HRT has been shown in trials to be cardioprotective. So, what hormones comprise HRT? Well, HRT is essentially exogenous oestrogen. In women who have had a hysterectomy, then oestrogen alone is all that's given. If a woman still has a uterus, though, then she needs to be given progesterone as well to reduce the effect of the unopposed oestrogen on the endometrium, which would otherwise lead to endometrial hyperplasia and an increased risk of endometrial cancer. Symptomatic perimenopausal women should be prescribed progesterone cyclically to induce withdrawal bleed every month. And this type of HRT is known as sequential HRT. In women who've been amenorrheic for 12 months or more, the progesterone can be given every day in combination with the estrogen so that they're bleed free. And that type of HRT is known as continuous combined HRT. So how are these hormones actually given to women? Well, systemic HRT can be given in several forms. HRT can be given orally as a tablet or transdermally as topical gels or patches or even via subcutaneous implant. In addition, local progesterone can be administered as part of the HRT regime, and that requires the fitting of an intrauterine device impregnated with a synthetic type of progesterone. Okay, so there appears to be a range of methods, but how do you decide which type of HRT regime to give? Well, it's generally up to the individual woman to decide which regime she prefers, and she can change the method of administration if required to find the most suitable one for her. The transdermal route is preferable for women with problems such as migraine and epilepsy as oestrogen absorption is constant and therefore blood levels of oestrogen are more stable. This avoids fluctuations in oestrogen levels which can trigger fits in migraines. The risk of venous thromboembolism is also lower with transdermal administration of HRT and this should be considered for women at increased risk of VTE. For women with libido issues, a type of synthetic HRT called tibolone can also be helpful as it's got additional weak androgenic actions. In the UK, there's currently no bespoke female testosterone product, but there is the option of testosterone gel, which can be used in smaller doses than in the male. However, this is an off-license indication and it's better prescribed through a dedicated menopause clinic. If the menopausal symptoms mainly relate to vaginal atrophy, though, then they can be treated with topical estrogen therapy alone, which is applied within the vagina as a cream or a tablet. Okay, thanks for that. Now, I've heard that HRT can be dangerous. Yeah, well, it's true to say that HRT is associated with a small increase in the risk of breast cancer, as well as increasing the risk of venous thromboembolism. So you need to take a full history of risk factors before prescribing it. However, the absolute risks of serious side effects must be contextualised and individualised. For example, studies have shown that the risk of breast cancer, whilst present, is very small, the estimate an extra four cases of breast cancer can be expected for every thousand women taking a combined HRT over a five-year period, and any increased risk falls once the HRT is stopped. Moreover, the risk of breast cancer is possibly decreased in hysterectomised women taking HRT with oestrogen only. Indeed, um, newer HRT preparations have been developed, such as oestrogen combined with selective oestrogen receptor modulators which can offer potential benefits of endometrial protection and possibly may not have the increased risk of breast cancer. And you mentioned that blood clots are more common in women with HRT. Yeah, this is correct. So that women with risk factors for venous thromboembolism 
was for the careful discussion to discuss the risks and benefits. The risk of blood clots increased two to three times thoroughly at HRT and it's highest in the first year of taking HRT. However, starting HRT at a reduced dose or gradually increasing it, the dose might be safer. However, transdermally HRT appears to confer a much lower risk of thromboembolism that can be used in most women. Okay, so we've covered HRT, but are there any other therapies that can be used to treat the consequences of the menopause but without the risks of conventional HRT? Yes, we can use bisphosphonates or selective estrogen receptor modulator drugs to prevent the loss of bone mass, reducing the risk of osteoporosis. For treatment of hot flushes, clonidine can be used, which is an alpha adrenoceptor agonist, or some selective serotonin receptor inhibitors. If the symptoms are mainly urogenital, then moisturisers and lubricants can be used. Okay, so for women actually taking HRT, um, how long do you recommend they should take it for? Well, there's no clear recommendation on HRT when it should be stopped, and the choice to continue taking it is a balance between the relative risks and benefits. Quality of life is improved substantially in women suffering from significant menopausal symptoms and symptom relief as well as potential bone conserving and cardiovascular benefits of HRT are likely to outweigh the small additional risks of breast cancer and venous thromboembolism in most women in the short to medium term. Prescriptions should be individualised and women should continue with HRT until they're at an age they wish to cut down or stop usage or where the potential risks appear to outweigh the benefits. If women wish to continue taking it into their 60s, then a, a discussion should be had with them regarding reducing to the lowest tolerated dose. Okay, so the duration is variable and needs to be individualised. So there isn't an exact age at which you'd recommend stopping? Well, again, there's no clear rule when HRT should be stopped. However, the cardiovascular risks in older women who've continued with HRT from the time of the natural menopause are very different from those who start HRT at a more advanced stage as their vessels have had the protection from estrogen exposure. These women should therefore possibly be at lower risk of a cardiac event.